Well, praise the Lord. Good morning. Happy Sunday morning. Fourth of July weekend. I pray everybody is healthy. Everybody is safe. You had a good Fourth of July on yesterday. Um, not quite the same, obviously, this year with all the things that are going on. So many things in the world. Devil acting up. Sickness going around. Um, but God is still on the throne, and so we praise God for that. Praying that this morning um, that you find yourself still to be looking to God, encouraged by God in spite of. And we praise God for his faithfulness. Amen. God is faithful. The Bible declares it so. Um, so, again, good morning on this Sunday, first Sunday in July. And we praise God for it. Um, God has something for us today that, um, I was about to say we need to hear. But how many of you know we always need to hear what God has for us? So that's nothing new. But I think in particular, because it's one of those areas, I believe, that um, we, we acknowledge that we have in God um, to a certain degree, but we don't truly embrace it i believe as much as we should and that's freedom freedom in god and you know right now with we just said fourth of july weekend right um it's sometimes referred to as independence day in the united states independence freedom freedom from britain great britain and that's one thing praise god you know celebrate the freedom of the United States, but there's a greater freedom that we all have in Christ, and that's the freedom from sin and the penalty of sin. And that's what we want to look at today, man. We want to look at and embrace that freedom that we have because um, Christ has made us free, but so many are not living free, and that's because they don't know how. Um, and so we want to talk today about being free. Um, we're going to go to, to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 31 to 36. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. And our title today is Be Free. Amen. Be Free. Um we're going to go over some scriptures that are familiar to us. But again, God's going to usher us into a place where we can go from knowing to being. Um, because I believe a lot of us know that we're free in Christ. But too many of us are not being free in Christ. So God is speaking unto us today, giving us two words. Be free. Amen. John 8, verse 31. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. 
and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we bless your name. We thank you, O God, for the word, O God, the word, O God, that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Let your word penetrate deeply in our hearts and minds today, O God, in the name of Jesus. Let it perform a transforming work in us, O God, conforming us to the image of the Son, and Father God, propelling us into our destiny in you. Father, we thank you right now, O God, for the word that you have prepared for us. May it go forth with power and authority, O God. May every chain be broken, every wall torn down, every stronghold destroyed, every yoke, O God, demolished. And Father, we just thank you right now for what you are about to speak unto us. Father God, bless everyone under the sound of my voice. And Father, most of all, God, I pray that you will bless and use me for your everlasting glory and praise. To you, we give all honor right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. All right, so we're talking about being free. Amen. Um, Be free. Um, And so in this passage of Scripture, which we've read so many times over the years, I'm sure if you've been in church for a little while, um, you've read this passage many, many times. And if you, um, even if you haven't been in the church, that long, amen, or in saved that long, um, you've heard about being free indeed. And one of the things that we want to start with today is that in this passage, something that I believe may not really grab our attention is the sense of permanence that's in here. And when I say sense of permanence, the contrast um, between that which is permanent and that which is temporary. Um, It's in here, and it's not something that may be readily apparent, but as we go through the scriptures, you will see that there is a contrast going on here between that which is permanent and that which is temporary. And we have to know something, that, that... See, God is an everlasting God. It means he's permanent, right? God is self-existing. He's everlasting, right? And the things that he does for us and in our lives are to be permanent. Um, The things of the world are temporary. And so what we have going on here is that sort of the contrast between the temporary things of the world that don't last and the permanent things of God that last forever. And we start to see it right from the beginning in verse 31 when Jesus says, if you continue in my word. See, continuing means you stay there. You keep doing it. It's not temporary. You don't come and go. You don't do it during a certain season when things are going well in your life and then stop doing it because things are not going well in your life. You continue in his word. You continue in sunshine and in rain. You continue in good times and in bad. You continue when you feel well and when you don't feel so well. You continue in it. You know, Jesus talked about um, when he said that I am the true vine. What did he say? He said we have to do what? Abide in him. 
when you abide, you don't see that the difference between abiding <clears throat> and visiting. Visiting, you come and you go. You come and you go. You come and you go. There's too many visitors uh, among the body of believers. God is looking for abiders, people who abide, who stay put, who no matter what, they are found on their post in God. Jesus is looking for those who abide. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you would bear fruit and glorify the Father. So there's a difference. God looking for us to do things that last. He's an everlasting God. He looks for that kind of spirit for us to have. Not this in and out type of a thing. And so here it says, if you continue in my word, right? You got to stay there. You got to abide in that word. You have to do it when you feel like it and do it when you don't. You have to live by it when you feel like it, when you don't. You got to live by the word of God when you don't agree with it. Because God's not asking for our agreement. His word is settled in heaven. It needs to be settled here on earth. And so we have to continue in that word. And so Jesus says, so that's part of the permanence, right? It's not this temporary thing. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Turn it on, turn it off. No, you continue in the word. Amen. We continue in it. And he says, if we continue in his word, then are we his disciples. So disciples are not those who follow every now and then either, right? The mark of a discipleship is a continuing. It's, it's being in there. It's, it's abiding, staying residing that's the mark of a disciple but it only comes by continuing in his word and then in verse 32 he says and ye shall know the truth that word and is important because many times people just simply say you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free but see that's the second part of a of, of a thought that jesus had the first part of the thought was continuing his word you have to do that first and after you do that, now we get to the second part. And you shall know the truth. Right? But how do you know the truth? Because you continue in the word. So you understand something then. It becomes very difficult to know the truth if we don't continue in the word. That's why it's so important to stay in it. Right? To stay in it. If you continue, you are my disciples. And you shall know the truth. And then here's another and. And the truth shall make you free. And I like the King James Version of this where it says the truth shall make us free instead of set us free because, you know, set free is like at a certain time. This time tomorrow I'm going to set you free. But see, God made us free and it transcends all kinds of time, right? We are, we've been made free in Christ. Now he was talking to the Pharisees uh, at this time, arguing back and forth with them, um, or they were arguing with him. And they said, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. What's bondage? Bondage is slavery. Bondage is slavish type thinking, right? You know, you, 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 to be in bondage is to be in slavery or to have a slave's mentality. And... And here's, here's the thing that I believe God is, is dealing with us today and, and, and is going to help us with, among other things, is that we can be, a person can be out of slavery, but still have a slavery mentality. And so we got to understand bondage is not just slavery, it's also thinking like a slave, even if you're not in slavery. 
An example of this is the children of God themselves. God had freed the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And then in Numbers chapter 1, they got tired of eating manna all the time. And they said, man, we remember when we had flesh to eat in Egypt. And we had cucumbers and melons and leeks and garlic and onions. And they were longing for the food of slavery. They weren't enslaved anymore. They were free. They were in the wilderness, but they were free from Egyptian bondage. But they were still thinking like a slave. They were still longing for the things they had while they were slaves. They longed for the food of slaves, the meat of slaves. Man, we want those cucumbers and melons. And they thought like that. And he said, well, no, they were just thinking about food. No, how a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You got to be very careful what you think about. So they were thinking about the food of slavery. This was in Numbers chapter 11. You fast forward to Numbers chapter 14. This is after the spies come back from spying out the land. And at that time, when they heard about the people were so tall and all the rest of that, and they said, oh my gosh, we can't go and, and conquer the land. And in Numbers 14, they then said, let us choose us a captain to go back to Egypt. So you see what happened now? They, they were thinking in Numbers chapter 11, like slaves. And now in Numbers 14, they're ready to take action to go back into slavery. And so bondage is not just being in slavery, it's thinking like a slave. And there are many of us who in Christ have been made free. So we're not in slavery anymore, but we're still in bondage to the extent that we may be thinking like a slave. And we got to be careful because if you think like a slave, you're going to want the meat of a slave. You're going to want the food and the diet of a slave. And then pretty soon you're going to be talking to your friends, talking about, let's go back and be slaves. Let's go back and do the things that we used to do. Amen. And so bondage is something. Amen. Christ came to free us from that. The actual bondage and even the, the bondage of our mind. So they said, we be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage, glory to God, to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Um, if we're going to commit. Now you say, well, who we all commit sin, right? The Bible said, if you just say you do not sin, you're a liar. But this is about living this way continually, right? then we are the slave or the servant of sin. But look what he says in verse 35. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides ever. Here again, we see the contrast between temporary and permanent. What's the contrast here? Before he was talking about continuing in the word and not continuing in the word, right? That's implied in the if you continue. So that was the contrast between the temporary and the permanent. If you're going to continue, permanent or not continue temporary so what's the contrast between temporary and permanent here it's between the servant and the son he says the servant doesn't abide in the house forever he's temporary the servant is he said but the son abides ever the son's permanent and the son's capital s the son is jesus he said i'm permanent i'm a permanent member of the family and what he was saying here is that see during this time 
if you had a slave, you know, slaves served for a seat for a time until their debt was paid and then they would leave. So they weren't always a part of the household. They were a part of the household until they, they satisfied their debt. Many times, right, in, in, in biblical times, when you got into debt and you couldn't pay the debt, you had to go into servanthood or slavery. Remember the woman with the two sons who only had the um, uh, uh, a little oil and a little uh, and, and, and some and a little flour. Remember that. Remember her. Just got a little oil. Uh, she didn't have flour. She just had a little oil. And what was she concerned about? That her husband had left her in debt, and the creditors were going to come and take her two sons and put them into slavery. Because that's how you paid off your debt. But once you paid off your debt, you left the household. So servants or slaves at this time, they didn't they weren't permanent members of the household. They could be there and then they could be gone once the debt was served. And then in 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 among the Jews, every seven years you're supposed to let your slaves free. So a servant was not a permanent member of the household, temporary. Jesus contrasts that with him being a son. He said, I'm permanent. I'm in this house. Servants not. And now he goes in verse 36. And then that's why it comes important when he says, if the son, therefore. See, he's saying, servant, yeah, you're in the house, but you're only here for a little while. Son, I'm here forever. So when I do something, it's, it's done forever. You see? It's the difference between being temporary and permanent. So if the son, therefore, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, some may say, well, wait a minute. Verse 32, it says, the truth will make me free. Verse 36 says, the son will make you free. And they say the same thing. Because Jesus is the son, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And so it's the same thing. This is this is that Jesus is the one that makes us free. You know, you shall know the word. Jesus is the word, right? We know that from the scripture. He's the word that was made flesh, right? Um, but here, uh, you shall know the truth. And, and the Bible says that the word is the truth, right? Jesus is the truth. So it's saying the same thing, verse 32 and verse 36. It's telling us that Jesus makes us free. And so now we see then, to be a disciple, we continue in the word. We don't flit in and out. We stay with it. We know the truth, right? We know the word. We know Jesus. Amen. And that truth shall make us free. Amen. So Jesus has made us free. If you, if you know Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he has made you free. He's made me free. He's made us free. So we talk about all this thing. What, what is free? There's a lot of things that we can talk about definitions of what makes a person free. But I, I, I searched around a bit. And it, and again, there's so many definitions. There's not one. But here's one that I, that I offer to you today. That to be free is liberation from slavery or the power of another. Right? So to be free is to be liberated from slavery or from the power of another. And we, when we think about it in terms of our Christian walk, our liberation, us being free, liberated from slavery to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. Amen. 
Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, that sin shall not have dominion over us, right? We're no longer slavery, slaves to sin. That's part of our freedom. Um, so we're, we're liberated from slavery, and we're also liberated from the power of another. Who's that another? It's Satan. Amen? He has no power over us. Uh, the Bible tells us in, in 1 John 3 and 8 that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Glory to God for that. Amen. And so, so we're free. We, we, we have been liberated from slavery to sin. And we've been liberated from the power of Satan over our lives. But it doesn't mean we're free to do whatever we want. So now that I'm free, I can do whatever I want. As Paul would say, God forbid. Amen. That's not why we've been made free. Let's, let's look at Romans. We talked about Romans chapter 6. Let's, let's go to Romans chapter 6 for a moment. And um, so that we know why we're free. Not free to do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. It's not about whether you're grown or not. It's a matter about who you belong to. Glory to God. You and I belong to God. We've been bought with a price. Amen. Therefore, glorify your, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's look at Romans 6 and 18. It says, being then made free from sin. We've been made free from sin. Amen. Ye became what? Servants of righteousness. We, came, we became servants of righteousness. Servants of righteous living. That's what we're supposed to do now. We're no longer servants of sin or sinful living. We're now servants of righteousness or righteous living. That means doing those things that are right in the sight of God. We're in right standing with God. We do those things that are right and pleasing in His sight. We are servants of righteousness. We jump down to verse number 22. It says, "Being, But now being made free from sin, uh, we have become servants to God. Amen. So we're not free to do whatever we want because we're still servants to God who bought us with a price, the, the, with the blood of Jesus, glory to God. And we're servants to righteous living. Amen. But we're free. Sometimes I say, but it doesn't sound like freedom to me. No, no, no. We're free. We got to understand what we're free from. See, we're free from certain things. We're free from sin. We're free from guilt. We're free from shame. Glory to God, somebody needs to hear that today. We're free from sin. We're free from guilt. And we're free from shame. And see, the devil tries to put back on the people of God the things that God has freed them from. The same way he did with those children of Israel. They were free from Egypt. And he put into their heads, man, wasn't that food in Egypt good? And then if that wasn't enough, man, why don't you choose somebody and bring us all back to Egypt? Let's go back into slavery. Who would do that? There's nobody but the devil, right? And he's doing it today. Christ has freed you from sin, from guilt, and from shame. But how many people today feel ashamed or guilty or sinful? Because Satan is busy whispering in your ear, telling you things, lying to you, deceiving you, disrupting your spirit because he doesn't want you to be free. You've been made free, but you're not being free. 
And so he he doesn't want you to be free from the guilt and the shame and the sin. So we're free from that. But we're also free to something. A lot of times people don't understand. It's sort of like when you leave a job. Great, you're leaving your job. But under the best circumstances, you should be leaving this job and going to another one. Amen. It's, so it's not just about where you're coming from. It's where you're going to. And, and, and God didn't just free us from sin. He freed us to something as well. The freedom is not just from, it's a freedom to. And the freedom to is to live for God, to serve God, and to glorify God. See, that's the purpose and the goal. You remember when uh, Hagar left the camp <laughs> and and the angel of the Lord met her in the wilderness and said, where you go? Where you come from, Hagar? And where are you going? See, it wasn't just where you come from. It's also where you're going. And she didn't know where she was going. And so the angel of the Lord told her, return and submit. <laughs> in other words, go back to the camp and submit to your handmaid, Sarah. Because Hagar's dress was leaving from something, but didn't know where she was going. So we're free from sin and guilt and shame, but we're also free to live for God, serve God, and to glorify God. Um, but yet, why aren't so many of us not living free? Um, let's, let's look at what Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 5. Because this now provides our pivot point. Uh, to what God really wants to bring us to today. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. Paul writes there to the church, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, amen, wherewith Christ has what? Made us free. He says, stand fast in it. See, again, that stand fast is, is when you stand fast, you stay there. Again, you see this whole idea of permanence. And I think, again, this is the thing we've been missing when it comes to being free. You don't flit in and out of freedom. You stay there. Glory to God. You stay there. And you fight to stay there. You fight the good fight of faith. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And look at this. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, because see, God has already taken us from slavery. He's renewing our mind. He's given us a regenerated mind. And so he got that slavish thinking out from us. And Paul is saying, don't go back there. You see what he's saying? Don't go back there. You've been made free. Now don't go back there. This is something that the children of Israel could have really used back in Numbers 11 and 14. Right? In chapter 11 and then chapter 14. You've been free. Now don't go back there. That's what this is saying. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. But how do you stand fast? You've got to fight. You fight the good fight of faith because, because Christ has given us the most valuable thing that we could have. And it's this freedom. It's this liberty, this freedom from sin and everything that comes with it. And he's given us, and that's, you know, and he's given us our salvation. That's what he's given us. But now we got to fight for that thing. We got to fight. Not, not, see, you say, well, why am I going to lose it? No, it's not that you're going to lose it. You're not going to enjoy it. That's the point. 
It's, you, you still are free, but you're not being free. And so, and that's what God is trying to get us today. So that gets us to our pivot point, right? That, that, that we understand we're free in Christ. We've been made free. The question is, are we being free? And I want us, I want us to go to, to, to Mark chapter 5. Because in Mark chapter 5 is the woman with the issue of blood. And we know that the woman with the issue of blood, what was it, 12 years? She had the, the, the flow of blood and she went to doctors with nothing better but was worse. And the crowd was there and she pushed her way through the crowd. And she just kept saying to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She pushed her way through, touched the hem of his garment. And 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 Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Jesus, come on, man. There's so many people touching you here. Why are you going to stop and ask who touched me? And in Luke's version of this, Jesus said, no, no, no. I know somebody touched me because virtue has come out of me. Virtue means power. Jesus said, no, somebody touched me in a way that released power from me. Glory to God. That woman touched Jesus and, 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 and put into motion a power exchange. Power that was in Jesus transferred from him to her because she touched him in faith. And so um, the woman finally came clean and said, I'm the one that touched you. And in verse 34, Jesus said unto her, glory to God. Somebody need a power exchange, right? We need that power exchange where the power Jesus had just gets transferred to us. Amen. Um, touch him in faith today. Verse 34, he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And this is, this is where God has brought me to today and brought us to today. We're going to talk about being free. Notice that Jesus said to her, because she touched him, she had been made whole. He said, your faith made it whole. But we know it was the power exchange. She, she touched him in faith, released power. Virtue left Jesus' body, went into her body, and healed her. Right? So now he says, you're made whole. Similar to how we are what? Made free. She's made whole. We're made free in Christ. But then he says to her, see, that was his doing. That was his virtue, leaving his body, touching her body, and making her whole. Jesus went to the cross, died for us, rose from the dead on the third day, and through his atoning work on the cross, he made us free. That was his doing. But now he talks to her and he says, to her, you go in peace and what? And be whole. In other words, I made you whole. That's what I did. Now, it's up to you to go in peace and be what I made you. You see that? And it's the same thing with our freedom. Jesus has made us free. He did that. But now he says to us, it's up to you now to go in peace and be what I made you. And that's where we're falling short. It's not that we're not free. Jesus made us free. He did that. His part's done. The part that we get tripped up on is we don't do our end. We don't go in peace and be free. 
This woman was told by Jesus, go in peace and be free. We're told by God on this morning, I made you free. Now go in peace and be free. Amen. She had to be made whole. We have to, you know, she had to go and be whole. We have to go and be free. So let's start with this then. Because the first thing he said to her was go in peace. And let's think about peace from this standpoint. Let's think about peace in terms of a tranquility of spirit, a wholeness, a harmony, a, a security, a well-being, right? Peace. That's how we have to go. When Jesus has saved us, and, and he has saved us, right? He made us free. But how many of you know, now we have to go about our life in a certain way to enjoy that freedom that is ours. And he, and we got to go in peace. We have to have this tranquility of spirit. And you say, well, what's so important about that? Well, I'll tell you how important it is. One of the biggest things the enemy of our soul wants to do is disrupt our peace. That's why he causes so much trouble. That's why he causes so much chaos and confusion and conflict. That's why he spends so much time trying to pit one against another. What's he trying to do? He's trying to disturb the peace, right? He's trying to disturb the peace that's ours because he knows if we don't have that peace, then it's going to be hard for us then to get to the be free part because we got to go in peace first. Go in peace and be free. And so he tries to disrupt that. But when we're operating in peace, we have a tranquility of spirit. I mean, it's just in us, right? It's a tranquility of spirit it's a it's a wholeness it's a harmony harmony you know you think about people who sing singers who sing in harmony their voices just blend and it just sounds smooth and it sounds nice and it sounds soothing but when people don't sing in harmony you know how bad that sounds you go ooh it even makes you make up your face right ooh ooh who's singing that note right because they're not singing in harmony but see, when you're in peace, when you have that peace, you have a tranquility of spirit. There's a harmony about you. You even sound a certain way. You know what I mean? And 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 it, there's a, it's all over you. And you have a security and a, a, a sort of a you you you're good. You know what I mean? You're 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 whole. You have this overall well-being, and it doesn't depend on what's going on around you, because it's something that you have on the inside. And again, we talk about this permanent thing. Because peace is a fruit of the spirit, which means it's eternal. So it doesn't come and go based on the external circumstances. Peace should not come and go because the car broke down today or because someone said something to you today. If you lose your peace because of that, you really didn't have peace. You had some peace from the world standpoint. And again, everything the world has is temporary. The peace that the world gives, glory to God, let's look at this. The peace that the world gives you is temporary. It shifts and it changes based on the economy, based on the weather, based on the stock report, based on who's in office and all that kind of stuff. We're turning a lot today, but we're going through the Bible. Let's go to John chapter 14. Because there's a contrast between that peace and the peace that comes from God. And in fact, Jesus himself said it. He said in, in John 14, verse 27, he said, peace I leave with you. 
And then he said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So Jesus is making a contrast. I'm giving you my peace. And again, he's the son. He's eternal. Fruit of the spirit is peace. That's eternal. What's he saying? I'm giving you permanent peace. Not like the world gives. The world gives you temporary peace. You got a nice job, got some money in the bank. Yeah, okay, you might have some temporary peace. Lose your job, don't have no money in the bank. Now your peace is gone, right? If your peace was founded on that. Jesus said, I don't give peace like that. He says, I'll give you my peace. But here's the thing. Let's back up for a second. Jesus is peace. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 14, he said, he said that, that Jesus is our peace. Christ is our peace. And that Christ had broken down the wall of, of, of a partition between Gentiles and Jewish people. He got rid of the animosity, the hostility and everything. And he became our peace. That's what he's done for us. He's our peace. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. He's our peace. And so Jesus, when he says, I give you peace, he said, my peace I give unto you. He's given us him and he's given himself and he's giving us his peace. He says, I give it to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And then now that's it. Now notice he said, I did that. That's his part. Now he gets to our part. Look what he says. Now that I give you my peace, what he says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He says, let not your heart be troubled. And understand, this is a personal thing. How do you know? Because he says, let not your heart be troubled. He didn't say, let not their heart be troubled, as if you had a responsibility for somebody else's heart. He's telling you, I've given you my peace. Now you have a responsibility. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. But Jesus, she's getting on my nerves. Let not your heart be troubled. But Jesus, I lost my job. Let not your heart be troubled. But Jesus, I don't got no more chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> some people get mad and they don't have no chocolate chip cookies. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, it doesn't matter what's going on with you. Jesus said, I gave you my peace. Watch this. And if you hold on to it, glory to God, nothing can trouble you. <laughs> you got to hear that again. I've given you my peace, which is an eternal peace. It will never leave you. If you hold on to it, nothing will trouble you. So don't let it. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen. And it's up to us to do that. It's up to us to not let my, you know, it's up to me. I can't let my heart be troubled. Yeah, some things are going against me, but it's up to me to make the choice. Am I going to let my heart, am I going to allow my heart to be troubled? And understand, the enemy is trying to trouble me. He's trying to trouble you. I heard a preacher once say, listen, we got to learn how to trouble our trouble. You know what I mean? If, if, if the enemy is trying to trouble us, we got to learn how to trouble him. And you know how we do that? We resist him. So we, he says here, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But that's up to us. And so, you know, Solomon said in Proverbs 4 and 23 that we are to guard our heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. And look at what it said. Guard your heart. He, the Bible doesn't command you to guard somebody else's heart. Know why? Because we have enough 
We have our hands full trying to guard our own heart, right? But it's on us. Guard your heart. Don't let stuff get in there willy-nilly. Don't let all the, the, the things of the world just flow into your heart. Why? Because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Trouble in, trouble out. Amen? But if you keep your heart in that perfect peace, right? What is it? Isaiah 26 and 3 says, He will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. See, if you're thinking about all other kinds of things going on in this world, what people did, what people said, what, what this one said, thinking about politicians, thinking about sports team that lost. So, you know, some people get so mad because their sports team lost. They get into a funk because their team lost the Super Bowl. Can't talk to them. You know, they come back the next day and say, hey, man, how you doing? Don't talk to me today. My team lost last night. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. So what are they doing? They're letting their heart be troubled. Amen. But, 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 but God says, right, you know, that he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. And it actually goes on to say, because they trust in him. I think that's Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Because they trust in him. Right. And so, but it's up to us to do that. Amen. Again, just like that woman with the issue of blood. Jesus, I made you. I made you whole. Now what? Now go in peace and be whole. What are you saying to us? I made you free. Now go in peace and be free. And we get tripped up a lot of times because we don't get to the go in peace part. Because we let our heart be troubled. We let it be afraid. We don't guard our heart with all diligence. And just for those who may think somehow Jesus didn't mean it. In verse uh, 1 of John chapter 14, it says, it starts out by saying, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. Two is the number of the witness. And so here, the word bears witness of itself. Jesus is telling us twice in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Bear witness to the truth of this. This is something we have to do. Amen. We can't let our hearts be trouble. And so we got to be in peace. And so one of the ways we just talked about it, right? Keep your mind stayed on him, right? Just keep God in the center of everything as you're going through. Is it hard? Yeah, sometimes because life comes at you. Amen. Enemy comes in like a flood. But the Bible says when the enemy comes in like the flood, what? The spirit of the Lord will rise up with a, like a, stand, with a standard against him. Amen. And will protect us. So, but we got to keep our mind, amen. We got to keep our hearts because if not, then we're made free, but we're not living free. We're living troubled. We're living disturbed. We're living not in victory, but in failure, amen. Yeah, we're not flowing, we're toiling, right? We're not, we're not, you know, uh, doing the things God wants us to do in the power of God, but, you know, we're we're scratching and clawing and living in a way that God hasn't intended us to live. Remember, he made us free, free from certain things, but free also to certain things. And that's to live for him, to live for his glory, to live in his power. Amen. Now, we know from um, Ephesians, not Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter four, right, that there's a thing called peace that passes all understanding, right? Peace that passes all understanding. 
Some people say the peace that makes no sense. Amen. There's a peace that makes no sense from an earthly standpoint, and that's that peace of God. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, the Bible tells us that we are to be careful for nothing. That word careful is really a word that is translated anxious. Amen. Anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. Amen. That's what it means too, you know. <laughs> some people try to tell you, listen, glory to God in heaven. See, some people try to try to dilute God's word. You know, do you know there are people who go around preaching in pulpits, posting on social media, things like a little bit of fear is good for you. A little bit of worry is good for you. Listen, I line that up with the word of God. And the word of God says, be careful for what? Nothing. Right? And it didn't no little bit of this or a little bit of that, right? So let's be careful for nothing. Let every man, let, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Let's follow the word of God. So be careful for what? Nothing. This is a discipline. This is a discipline. This is a fight because Satan's going to try to make you worry over things small and big, big and small, right? He's going to try to get you to worry about all kinds of things. He's going to play the what if game on you. What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if this? What if that? Be careful for nothing, right? Tell Satan to go, go in the corner and sit down. Right? What if? What if it does happen? God is still on the throne. Glory to God. Amen. So we be careful for what? Nothing. But in everything, what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, don't be worried and anxious about things. Just pray about it. Bring it to God. Talk to God about it. Amen. Bring it to him. Uh, put it on the altar. Amen. And what will happen if you do that? Again, the word and. See, you, once you do that first part, now you get to the and. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. That's that peace that doesn't make any sense. That peace that you have, even though everything around you says you should be worried, you should be fretful, you should be in despair, but you're not. Doesn't make any sense. It passes all understanding. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall do what? Keep your heart from what? From being troubled. Glory to God. Amen. It will keep your heart from what? From being troubled. Remember Jesus? Let not your heart be troubled. It will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, who is our peace. Glory to God. So it will keep us. And so we're talking about being free. And so why do we spend so much time on peace? Because just like he said to that woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Now go in peace and be whole. The son has made us free. And here God's saying, now go in peace and be free. And many of us aren't getting to that be free part because we haven't conquered this go in peace part. We're letting too many things upset our apple cart. We're letting too many things trouble our heart. When we got commandments, let not your heart be troubled. We got a commandment, guard your heart with all diligence. Amen. 
We got we to gotta say, oh, Lord, help me now to put a guard over my heart that I can keep it from being troubled, keep it from being disturbed, so I can go in peace and now be what you made me. You made me free. Amen. You made me free. You know, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, his first sermon, you remember his first sermon? He, he said, uh, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That word bruised is translated oppressed. So Jesus, part of his preaching is preach deliverance to the captives. We were the captives. He's preached deliverance to us. We've been made free. He set at liberty them that are bruised. We were bruised. We were oppressed. He has set us at liberty. We're free. Now go in peace and be free. Amen. Go in peace and be free. Guard your peace. Guard your peace of mind. Satan trying to come and upset you, giving you thoughts about all the kind of things. You have to be vigilant and you just have to, No, I'm not having it. I'm not taking it. Guard yourself. Amen. Guard yourself. I'm going to keep this stuff from getting in my head and my heart. You know, don't twist scripture or, or water it down. When the Bible says, you know, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Don't focus on the, if it be possible. If it, if, it, if it be possible. Well, it's not possible to live in peace with him. That's not what that scripture means. It says, if it be possible, you do all that you can to live at peace with all men. Don't make it an excuse. You do all that you Don't worry about what they're doing. You do all that you can. I'm doing all that I can. Yeah, but you also say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, somebody. So live at peace. Guard your peace. Amen. Why? Because if you don't master that go in peace part, you don't get to the be free part. If you don't, if you don't master that go in peace part, you don't get to the be whole part. Whatever it is that God made you to be, in order for you to be it, you got to go in peace. You got to go with that tranquility of mind and spirit, that wholeness, that harmony, that overall well-being, that permanent fruit of the spirit that is not determined by what's going on on the external because it's part of you. It's permanent. And when you go in that peace, hold on to that peace. Now, whatever it is God has made you to be, you're going to be that thing. You're going to be free. You're going to be whole. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be strong. Amen. But we got to get that peace part down. Amen. Don't let anything or anyone steal your peace. Amen. Because if they steal your peace, in the end, they steal your victory. Amen. Jesus came to seek and to save them that are lost. Amen. He came to seek and save them that are lost. He found you. Amen. You didn't find him. He chose you. You didn't choose him. And then he did a work in you that now he says, I did my part. Now you go do your part. He said that to the woman with the issue of blood. And he says that to us. And the key is being able to go forward in peace 
and be what it is he made us to be. Glory to God. You're free. Amen. You're free. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You're, you're free. And so listen, you fight for your freedom. Amen. You fight for your freedom. Amen. And understand that the only one who's trying to steal your freedom is the enemy of your soul. Amen. Amen. And so we praise God for being free today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. Glory to God. We thank you, Lord, for our freedom. Glory to God. We thank you that we are free from sin, free from guilt, free from shame. The Son has truly made us free. We are free indeed. And Father God, you made us free. Jesus has made us free. But we hear your voice today, God, that we now must, like the woman with the issue of blood, go in peace and be what Jesus has made us. To be free, to be whole, to be strong, oh God. To be overcomers, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you have pointed us and, and, and shown us, oh God, how important it is to safeguard our peace, oh God. To yes, hold on God. to our peace, oh God. To keep our minds stayed on you, that you may keep us in perfect peace, oh God. Yes. To put all our concerns before you, to make all our requests known unto you, that we can get that strange peace, that peace that makes no sense, the peace that passes all understanding. Father, we just know and we thank you, God, that as we, as we safeguard our peace, hold on to that peace and refuse to let it go, stay in peace, then God, we will be exactly what you made us to be. And today, God, you reminded us that you have made us free. Glory to God. We're free from sin. We're free from shame and doubt and fear and unbelief and all those things that the devil tries to put on us. But more than that, God, we're free to be who you made us to be. The great men and women of the Most High God. And so, Father, I pray that your will will be done in the lives yes, of your people Father. today. I pray, O oh God, that every chain will be broken, every yoke destroyed. Glory to God. I pray, O oh Father, in the name of Jesus, that every shackle will be removed, every guilty stain will be washed away in the name of Jesus Christ. And now your people will go forward with a heart filled with peace and be free in Christ. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for liberating us. We thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Um, I've got to stay here. Praise God for a little while. But we praise God. Amen. This is 4th of July. We're talking about liberty, talking about freedom, talking about all that good stuff.